This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Morning, everybody. It's a fun morning, don't you think? Some of you have been around long enough to hear me tell the story of our grand opening. This is the first Sunday since our grand opening we've had this kind of weather. So the next time I talk about that story, you can remember this day, right? Yes, indeed. So I want to give a special welcome to all of you, especially those of you who are here for the very first time. Uh, Wow, you have braved the worst weather of the year to come and be with us. And uh, so I want to welcome you. We are a church of regular people who are on a journey with God. And we're just so glad that you came uh, to join with us this morning, and it's our prayer that you get on that journey with Him too. Because I can tell you this from firsthand experience, there is no greater adventure in life than going through life with God. We're going to talk a lot about that this morning. We're going to talk about His big plan and our little plan and how we can tie into that. So I want to welcome you along, and let's, uh, let's just have a short word of prayer as we get started. God, You promised to meet us when we gather in Jesus' name, and so here we are in Jesus' name. And uh, we're just delighted that you're here. Would you speak into our lives right now by your word, so that this morning will make a difference in our lives. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, you're going to want to retrieve from your program just one thing at this point. You're going to want to get out this sheet of, uh, of notes And fill in the blanks as we walk along because we're going to talk about miracles this morning. Oh, by the way, I should tell you something. Uh, We have a group of people who are praying with Amy, and Amy's going to do okay. All right? So for those of you who are bleeding heart mercy people like me, you can just relax and know that she's in good hands. All right? Now, we're going to talk about miracles this morning. And... uh, Most of us have probably seen a Christmas movie called Miracle on 34th Street, right? Sure. There's another movie called The Christmas Miracle, and that's because Christmas is really about miracles. If you stop and think about it, a virgin conceiving, that's a miracle. A moving star that guided some people, that's a miracle. Angels singing to shepherds out in the fields and guiding them to a place where the baby lay. That's a miracle. And of course, the absolute biggest miracle of all. I want you to think about the God who created everything that you and I can see and touch and feel and interact with. The God who said, let there be light, and there was light. The God who said, Let the earth, the dirt, be separated from the waters. And he created the seven continents and the oceans of our world. The God who said, and let the oceans teem with life. And we're still, thousands of years later, discovering life forms that God created by just speaking them into existence. I want you to think about a God who's so big that he describes heaven as his home and earth as his footstool, the place he rests his feet. I want you to think for a minute about that God squeezing himself into the body of a tiny baby. 
That's huge. And I want to tell you this. It is the difference maker in the history of the world. He changed everything. And everything I'm going to say to you this morning has its root in the fact that God left heaven and came to earth. And that's the story of Christmas. And it's the only story of Christmas that really counts. Everybody on board with that? It is. So let's talk about that because that brings up an interesting question. If Christmas, if the whole Christmas story is really about miracles and God doing some amazing things, it brings up attention for those of us who believe in God and for those of us who choose to to become Christians and to go on this journey with God, it brings up the question and the tension, will God do a miracle in my life? It's one thing for me to pick up the Bible and read that God would do a miracle, let's say, in Joseph and Mary's life. Or that God would do a miracle, let's say, in John the Baptist's life. Or that God would do a miracle in the Apostle Paul's life. But the real question that that I struggle with every day is when I'm struggling, when I have a need in my life, would God do a miracle for me? Because that's where the Christmas story comes out of the Bible and becomes part of our life. So we're going to look at that through the lives of a couple. This is a this whole Christmas series that we're doing is called Christmas Stories. And I want you for a minute just to focus on the tagline of, of that title. It's called Christmas Stories, Finding Our Story in Theirs. You see, you need to know that the principal characters, except for Jesus, all the other characters in the Christmas story were ordinary people just like you and me. They had normal jobs that they went to. They had normal family life that they lived. They were just ordinary people like you and me. And yet God did unbelievable things through them, extraordinary things. And and it's as we learn... To, to see our lives in their story, then we get to walk in partnership with the same God they walked with. And we can expect God to be as active in our lives as he was in theirs. We're going to learn a lot about how to live life. This morning we're going to look at the story of a couple in the Bible, Zechariah and Elizabeth. And for the sake of our story this morning, I'm going to call them Zach and Liz. All right? And I'm doing that on purpose because if I call him Zachariah, you will leave him in the Bible. He won't be normal to you. But if I call him Zach, you can relate to him. And if I call her Elizabeth, you'll probably leave her in the Bible too. So we're going to look at our lives through the story of Zach and Liz. And here's the story of Zach and Liz. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zach. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife, Liz, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Now, Zach and Liz were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commands and regulations. They had no children because Liz was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. 
One day, Zach was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. And as was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. And while the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. So there's the backstory. Now here's what I want you to know. When you read that story, you see that Zach was a priest. And right away, you can think of somebody who, ha- who wears a special collar and has special clothes and sort of lives above and beyond all the people. No, that's not true. Okay? In the city of Jerusalem alone, at the time that Zach lived, there were 7,200 priests. So he was just one of 7,200 priests. And you noticed it talks about he was on duty that week. There were 24 different sets or groups of priests who served, and they each served for one week at a time, twice a year. So Zach was a priest and served in that priestly capacity only two weeks out of the year, and the other 50 weeks out of the year, he had a regular job. He looked just like you and me. I don't know what he did, probably went outside Jerusalem as a farmer or worked at some shop in Jerusalem, but he had a regular job. He was just a regular Zach, except for twice a year he had a special job where he went and served at the temple. Okay, Now even this idea of burning incense, uh, if, if you do all the math, you'll find out there was only about four jobs that were individual jobs like this, and all the rest were sort of corporate jobs where you went in and you scrubbed the temple, or you went in and you mopped up after they made the sacrifices, or you reorganized the storage room, or whatever else you did, but you had all these general duties as priests. But there were three or four jobs. Burning incense was one. Changing the holy bread that was on the table of the bread of presence was another individual job. There there was offering sacrifices out at the main sacrificial altar. There, There were three or four jobs like that that they cast lots for, and those people got to do them on that particular day. So maybe four to six times in his lifetime, Zach got to do something like this. It was a big day for him. But here's observation number one. Zach and Liz were common people with a very ordinary problem. Now you notice already it says that they were righteous people and they kept all of God's commands. You know, there's sometimes... We have this little mechanism that goes on inside of us that says, the more I obey God, the less problems I should have in life. Anybody ever think like that? You're, not, you're lying to me. We all think like that. Every single one of us. Okay? It's natural and normal for us to think like that. Well, right here, I didn't tell you that Zach and Liz were righteous. God said it in His Word. These people were devout. They they went to church, not just periodically. They went to synagogue every Sabbath. He was a priest. He served every time his week came up. They kept all of the Lord's commands, but they had a problem. You see, Zach had a regular job, and Liz was a stay-at-home mom. She had the stay-at-home part right. It was the mom part that she was struggling with. 
Because as badly as they wanted children, and as often as they had tried, they had none. Now you've got to know a couple of things about the culture that Zach and Liz lived in. In that culture, when a couple could have no children, it was automatically assumed it was her fault, not his. Every man was considered fertile, and every woman was considered, when they couldn't have children, it was always the wife's fault. I'm glad we've grown past that, aren't you? Yeah. Further, there was a secondary assumption that was made, and that was, if you could have no, if you could have no children, it's because you were under a curse from God. So here are two people who are doing everything that they know how to do to serve and love God and honor Him, and yet they live right in the middle of a culture of people who look at them and somehow consider them outcast and ungodly. They were normal, ordinary people with an ordinary problem that they were struggling with. See how the story unfolds. While Zach was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the, of the incense altar. And rightfully so, Zach was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. By the way, put yourself in that place right now. You are sitting here listening to this message, and all of a sudden someone comes and, and appears in the chair right next to you, sort of nudges you in the ribs and says, Hi, I'm Gabriel. i got a message from God. Okay? You're going to struggle with that, I'm sure. He was overwhelmed by fear when he saw him, but the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zach. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Liz, will give you a son. And get this, you are to name him John. Wow. There's a lot there, but observation number two is this. God worked because Zach and Liz had been praying. I know that many of us here this morning have something in our lives that we would like God to take action on. But you know the truth? Many of us have not prayed fervently about that. I have people come into my office all the time. Pastor, I got this problem. I don't know what I'm going to do. I really need God's help. And I say to them, have you prayed about this? Yeah, okay. How often have you prayed about this? And how many days in a row have you prayed about this? Um, I, I I want you to hear this. It's so important for you to understand this. God will never allow himself to be a miracle genie reserved until you encounter something you want or need and you can pick up your little prayer lamp and rub it a couple of times and expect him to pop up and do what you say. What kind of God would that be, by the way? Would you worship that kind of God? No, you'd make him your slave. It's real quiet in here. But you know I'm speaking truth, right? 
Yeah. I want to challenge you. Zach and Liz had prayed for decades. You know what they would say to you and me this morning? As we struggle with something we've been struggling with perhaps for decades, they would say, don't give up praying. Keep praying. Pray regularly. Pray continually because you never know when the time is right and God's going to reveal His will in your life and it's going to be good. Don't give up. Because God works when we pray. Let's go back to the story. So Zach said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I, after all, you know, isn't it interesting how he wants to make sure that the angel understands all the details? I don't know if you've noticed, dude, but I'm old codger, right? I'm old now. And my wife, have you met Liz? She's well along in years. He was a smart guy. He called himself old, not his wife. She's just well along in years. The angel said, listen, buddy, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. Friends, if you want some credentials, that's it, right? Big time. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now... Since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. As a pastor, can I tell you that's a secret wish of mine? That every time people didn't believe God, he would strike them dumb. No more complaints at the pastor's office, right? Because no one can talk. The only problem is you would have a dumb pastor too. That's the deal goes on to say, you will be silent, unable to speak until the child is born, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. That would just be so important for us to underline. My words will be fulfilled when? At the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zach to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures, you ever play Pictionary? If you were Zach and you walked out and there was a crowd of thousands of people and you had just been struck dumb by an angel, what would you do to convince them you had seen one? The chicken dance? I don't know what he did, but somehow they figured it out that he had seen an angel and his silence, from his gestures and silence, and they must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. Observation number three. When it seemed God hadn't answered Zach and Liz's prayers, they struggled to believe. I I think everyone here is exactly like that. When we pray, and we pray, and we pray, and it seems like God hasn't answered, we struggle to believe. Zach struggled to believe it even when the answer was hand-delivered by an angel. I've never had God hand deliver a message to me by an angel. Certainly had him answer many prayers. But I do know this, that there have been many times in my life when I struggled to believe what I knew in my head, I struggled to believe it here. And Zach was struggling to believe it here. And so the angel said, I'll give you a little help. Okay? I'm going to do a little miracle in your life, Zach. I just told you about one. Your wife's going to conceive. You already know that's a miracle. Here's miracle number two. You're not going to be able to talk, no matter how hard you try. 
until the child is born. So he headed home with his first miracle and going to convince Liz that this is going to happen. Let's see how the story ends up. When Zach's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home and soon after his wife, Liz, became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months, which was typical in their culture. And look at what she says. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. It's a great story of two regular people who were just walking with God, and somehow, in the midst of their struggle, God did a miracle in their life because it was part of His plan. But that does bring us back to the question. I know they were normal and everyday people, but would God do a miracle in my life like He did in theirs? Well, in order to know the answer to that, There are three truths that you and I need to understand about God, and I think they will give us a much better perspective on that. And the first truth is this. God is actively working in your life right now. By the way, if He weren't, you wouldn't be at church. I can tell you that. Something in in your heart triggered by God is drawing you here. I want to read you a verse of Scripture that I'm going to challenge all of us to memorize. I wish every Christian would memorize this verse because it speaks God's truth into your life. And I want us to read it together, okay? Ready? Let's read out loud. 2 Chronicles 16.9. Ready? Read. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to Him. Do you get that? There's two things that that verse talks about. First of all, it talks about God's heart. See, God's heart is that He would show Himself strong on your behalf. I love the next to the... I mean, I like them all, but that next to the last song that the, that the worship team led us in, about God would never forsake us. He'd never leave us. You've got to understand God's heart. God's heart is for you. He wants to show Himself strong on your behalf. But that's not just about God's heart. It's about God's posture. Did you notice in that passage, it says that the eyes of the Lord, what's the next word? Run. God's not walking to show Himself strong in your life. He's running. God's running ahead of you to prepare the way. He's running behind you to protect you. He's running with you to show Himself strong. He is not just mildly active in your life. He is wildly active in your life. Well, I know right away that brings up a question. And that is, well, pastor, if he's so wildly active in my life, if you were to ask me to write down a list of miracles he's done in my life, it'd be real short. I don't get that. It's a fair question. It's a right question. You have to understand the second truth about God. And here it is. Most of God's miracles go unseen and unnoticed. It has always been that way. 
God has performed countless miracles in your life. You just didn't know it. And he didn't give you a front row seat. Let me tell you a story in my own life. 21 years ago this month, I broke my neck in a surfing accident at Sandy Beach um, on the south shore of the island of Oahu. As I lay on the sand waiting for the ambulance to come, I prayed for a miracle. When I got in the ambulance, I prayed for a miracle all the way to the hospital. As I lay in the hospital and the MRI was taken, I'm thinking, okay, God's going to wait until the MRI is taken, proving that my neck is broken. And then when he heals me, it's going to really impress the doctor. And the doctor might become a Christian out of this. But God didn't perform a miracle. There were so many places he could have. When I was riding that first wave in and it took me over the falls and it pounded my head into the ground, God could have intervened and made me land differently. And it wouldn't have broken my neck. It would have been a miracle because he would have altered the course of my life in order to spare me, but he didn't. You know, in my life, I I sat in a Minerva spine brace from my waist up over the top of my head, strapped in, immobilized for five months. It was miserable and painful beyond anything I could describe to you. So where was God in my life? You know, I was out there. I didn't even really want to learn how to surf. But I had just moved to Hawaii and God had just laid on my heart, Ron, if you're going to get next to these people and you're going to be able to share the gospel with them, you have to get into their world. You have to do what they do. So on a day when I already had a tea time to golf because it was my day off and the couple that I was going to golf with had called and canceled the tea time, I felt like the best thing I could do was go to the beach around the corner from my house and learn how to surf so I could do my job better in connecting with people. Now you would think if a pastor is out there trying to learn how to do something that would make him better connect with people, surely God would protect him there. Right? Where was God? You know, if we could look a little deeper, we'll get the answer. I'll never forget what the doctor said after the MRI, and he walked into my room as he looked at the, at the images from the MRI. He said, Mr. Hunt, or should I call you pastor? Somebody had told him I was a pastor by that point. He said, somebody is looking out over you. He said, I look at your MRI results, and he said, this always ends. This particular injury always ends with the brain stem being snapped. It's always fatal. And he said, you're not out of the woods yet. 
said, I'm pretty sure you're a praying man. He said, paralysis can set in any time in the next 48 hours. So if I were you, I would pray. Turned around and walked out the door. So where was God in my life? Well, here's the rest of the story you need to know, okay? When I went over the falls and landed directly on my head, your spinal column is built like donuts, rough donuts, but like donuts. Your head, your skull is like a bowling ball. When you try to pass a bowling ball through a donut, which one wins, the bowling ball or the donut? The bowling ball, right? So the number one vertebrae exploded in four pieces. That's what usually severs your brain stem. So as I lay in the hospital praying, I remembered that after I bounced off my head, it sounded like somebody had fired a rifle. And that's when my neck broke. And so I'm thinking, i got to try to get out of here, but I didn't know if I could walk or move. And for about eight seconds... You ever hit your crazy bone? You've hit that, right? I had that sort of thing going through my whole body for eight seconds. And then, about that time, I was just trying to get on my feet because I was amazed that everything worked. I got smashed by a wave, taken to the bottom, and washed out to sea. Three more times. Where was God? I can tell you where he was. You know, when you break your neck, they put you on one of those boards, and they say, don't move. I was being thrashed in the water, but God had his hands around my neck. He was preserving my life. I I say, I wasn't lucky. God just enabled me to see one of his miracles in my life. Can I challenge you with something? This Christmas season, when it's busy out there, and you're driving down the road, and you get behind some wacko who's driving only the speed limit. Okay? And you're all frustrated because you can't get around them and go like you want to go. Just log this back here. It could be a miracle. God could be slowing you down to spare you something that could happen up there. And you're all frustrated and saying, where is God when I need him? Okay? The truth is, God is so active in your life. It's just that most of what he does, he doesn't allow you to see with your human eyes. But that passage that says, and that's where you have to accept it by faith and know it, that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. That's your God. That's the one who loves you. That's the one who came into that body of that tiny little baby. And that's the one who says, I'm here because I'm your God and I'm doing something for you. Listen to this. I'm doing things for you that you can't do for yourself. Okay. By the way, you could slow down on the road by yourself. Okay. Every once in a while, God may be gracious and slow you down on his own. But usually God wants to do things in your life and mine we can't do. Zach and Liz could not have a child on their own. They had tried. 
but God came and did something in their life that they couldn't do on their own. So, God is active in your life. Most of His miracles are unseen. Number three, God's plan is always an upgrade. Always an upgrade over our preferences. Listen to me. If you had come up to Zach and Liz at any point prior to the angel appearing to Zach in the temple and you had said to them, would you trade places with your neighbors, all of whom had kids? What do you think they would have said? Yeah, sure. Don't you think they had prayed many times, God, I just want to be like Fred and Linda down the street. They got a dozen kids. We got none. God, I look at people and I know that they're not walking with you like Liz and I are walking with you. And they got more kids than they know what to do with them. We've got none. They would have traded places in a heartbeat with their neighbors. But hear me out. If they had been able to do that, they would have traded God's big plan for their little one. Because you know what God had in store for them? No, Zach and Liz. You're not just going to have any kid. You're going to have a son. His name is John the Baptist. And he's the forerunner for the Messiah. That's your kid. God's plan for us. By the way, Even if God's plan for Zach and Liz had been to have no children, whatever his plan was in their life, it would have been far greater than their own personal preferences. I love how Kevin says this. When we understand what it means to have faith, it means that we want what God wants for us more than we want what we want for us. And that, my friends, is the challenge of Christmas. So how can we apply this? Because this is where it all comes down to home, and this is where it gets really, really good. The first thing is this. We can choose today to become a Christian. Now, I want you to take out your Connect card. This this card right here. Because on the front side, please take a moment and put your name in there. And if this is your first or second time here, and we don't have the rest of your contact information... Would you be kind enough enough to trust us with that? Because we really want to help you connect with God. And in order to do that, we have to be able to connect with you on a regular basis. So if you'll fill in your contact information, then on the back, there's a place for you to record how you're going to apply this in your life. And the first one is, I'm choosing today to become a Christian. This series is right in the middle of, of two years of teaching in our church about that we're calling the Take Hold Initiative. It's how do I take hold of the life that Christ has for me? Not just part of it, but how do I take hold of the whole thing? Well, part of it is being willing to let go of your little plan so that you can take hold of God's big plan for your life. And it starts by making the decision to become a Christian. The verse that I'm going to challenge you to memorize talks about those whose hearts are loyal to Him. The way that you begin to demonstrate your loyalty to God is you step into what I call the circle of loyalty. 
You step into the circle of salvation and say, today I become a Christian. Today I give my life to God. Today I choose to live the rest of my life with a heart that's loyal to Him. I belong to Jesus. If you haven't made that decision, then you can't expect the eyes of God to run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on your behalf because you haven't done what you can do. You haven't stepped into the circle of loyalty where you will experience the strength of God on a daily basis. And I'm so delighted to tell you, you can make that decision today. And I hope that you will. If you're making that decision, put a check in that little circle. And we will get with you this week to to walk you through that process. Number two, I'm choosing today to trust God with, and there's a blank there on purpose. Because it's different for every one of us. With Zach and Liz, they were trusting God with their ability to conceive and with being childless. I don't know what it is that you want God to do a miracle in your life about. I don't know what it is that you're struggling with. I don't know what it is that might be standing between you and full loyalty to God. But you know, and God knows. I want to pray with you about it. So if you'd be bold enough to write it down, make that decision and write it down, the staff and I will pray with you. Our prayer teams will pray for you this week because we want you to trust God with everything in your life because what you're going to put on the line is probably the little plan and what, what it's going to do as you learn to trust God with it, it will unleash the big plan that God has for you. And then last of all, I will memorize Second Chronicles 16.9. Why? Because you need, to, you need to make that sort of what you build your faith on. And I will use it to build a deeper faith in my life. It says, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Let's pray. Father, right now, would you just give us courage to respond to the teaching of your word and to your promise so that as we trust you with everything in our life, as we step into that circle of loyalty and declare that our life belongs to Christ, that you will show yourself strong in our lives and we can trade our little plan in for your big one. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.